I never saw you leave And it was late at night I could be wrong But I know that you have never been right Someone said you vanished But he was cooked I'm sure there were some details that he overlooked So get specific Give me time I could never keep and track here of mine we uh, welcome in. It is the Friday before the Vanier Cup. The awards went down last night. First team announced, second team announced, all the major award winners. Uh, we're going to start with the Heck Crichton, but before we get there, Coach Chris Morris, well-deserving of the Coach of the Year. They have been building a rock-solid program for quite some time in Edmonton. Uh, as for the other awards, Harold Misson. Nicely done with the stand-up defensive player of the year. Uh, and, of course, Theo Benedet. Two consecutive JP Metris Trophy Awards. Uh, I got to say, I love the sweater. He was rocking the BC. It looked like a Letterman sweater. Um, no, he has been outstanding. I mean, at the start of the year, it was kind of his award to lose, given how he played last year and the hype coming into this season. But for Theo Benedet, he has been everything he was billed to be and more. Excited to see not just the CFL prospect and combine and draft status, but the NFL looks he's going to get as well. It's been well documented. The programs have been coming to visit him. So Theo Benedet, two straight JP Metris Trophy Awards. Uh, as for the Heck Crichton, let's start with that because it seems like in years of recent. I know last year Kevin Mittal won it as a wide receiver, which was phenomenal. Uh, but it seems like this award just goes to whatever quarterback ends up playing in the national championship or national semifinal. As they pick this award, it's in the regular season. So they, they do not have the postseason to rely on. Um, but each and every year it ends up being one of these guys who <laughs> who made their distance into the playoffs and quite frankly, it ends up being a winning award, even though winning is far beyond a single player's statistic. Uh, we're going to go through this here. Elgersma, because quite frankly, he should have been and is the most valuable player in the country. Completion percentage. Oh, Taylor's got that one. Uh, yards. Taylor's got that one. Yards per game. Taylor's got that one. Touchdowns. Taylor's got that one. Interceptions, the same. Efficiency, Taylor's got that one. Uh, if you want to look at their rushing totals as well for these guys, I'm pretty sure, yeah, you know what? Senecal had to run the ball a lot for his program uh, this season. Algersma did not have too far off of uh, rushing totals either. I mean, we we get in total this year... Um, Six extra touchdowns, 141 yards. As for Senecal, I believe he was more rushing yards, but I think their touchdowns are pretty comparable. Um, that, to me, though, is the one that I'm like, could we could we not have gone in a different direction? Because uh, for this award, six touchdowns, a couple, I think 150 more rushing yards. So same number of touchdowns. This is where you really draw the the tough straw because to me, if this is truly a regular season award, as it is, because 
they have to take the selections from the conferences that are put in at the end of the regular season. Um, it is both one loss. Both at the end of the year, they lost a game. Uh, Seneca lost to Concordia. Elgersma lost to the Western Mustangs, eventual Yates Cup champions. In these games, that like they, they played a pretty similar season, but Elgersma bettered him in each statistical category. And you can make the argument, oh, well, he's not as valuable as Seneca is because Seneca was their offense through and through each and every game, rushing and throwing. Yeah, that's true. But Taylor Elgersma means just as much to their offense as anyone in the country. I mean, 75% completion percentage. Their offense is nowhere close to as efficient. They are nowhere close to the Yates Cup without Elgersma at the helm. So uh, I do want to kind of just mention, it, it feels like we have been kind of skewed and lost in years past on the Heck Crichton and who is the true MVP of the league. And this is not trying to take anything away from Jonathan Senecal, but when you look at the statistics, how the years played out, how the regular seasons played out, it's pretty hard to make an argument as to why Jonathan Senecal is the number one seed. Algersma had his big games against big opponents. They've had their ups. They've had just as many downs as the Carabae, but one thing's for certain, he balled this year. So did Senecal, so did Peterson, so did Fagnol. So uh, hats off to everyone for even being nominated or being considered. But to me, this award came down to Senecal making the Yate, or the Vanier Cup and Algersman not moving out of his conference, which for an award that's based off of regular season performance, I find quite unfair. As for the game itself, uh, I'm going to be heading down to uh, check out the walkthroughs, final preparations uh, on Friday at Richardson Stadium. Then it's game time. Then it's time to button it down. And I see this game going one of two ways. It's either going to be the Carabane defense forces a ton of turnovers as I sit here and watch the Thursday night game uh, where San Francisco just forced a turnover on a punt. Uh the Caravan defense are going to force turnovers, and then they're just going to roll downhill with Senecal controlling the ball. Or UBC is going to take care of the ball and start to move and push and really let their playmakers and their speed take advantage. I know Montreal has this really physical defensive front, Farinaccio, Misson, uh, Fontenard. Like they have a ton of guys who just push you around the point of attack. But so does UBC on the offensive side of the ball. And as for their defense, I think Ryan Baker is so athletic. And in a game where it's going to be Senecal's mobility and his arm, I think that UBC can match them. So it's going to come down to who maintains possession, who wins that turnover battle. And I I think we're going to get a close game. I really do. As for uh, the UBC offense, the one thing that drives me crazy is Rooker pedaling out almost into his handoffs. And I understand the idea is you want to create separation and draw and hold that defensive end and pull him a bit away from the box so you get a cutback lane for Isaiah Knight. But it also opens up a ton of space for someone to attack the mesh point and to draw fumbles and penalties like we saw against Manitoba 
uh, it, it's something that can happen and has happened throughout the year. So I will say that is the one part I would not want Nikki Farinacci out coming across to blow up the mesh point and having that much room, that much more depth. Um, I, I really do like this offense. I think Isaiah Knight is going to be the feature. I think that Garrett Rooker is going to be uh, not so much opening it up, but I, I don't want to say limited because that's not the right word for him. He's going to be controlled. I think that's a better term to use as they're not just going to let him gunsling the ball around. They're going to make very calculated shots downfield. Uh, I expect Stevenson Bone to call a very patient game. This UBC offense needs to take care of the ball. They know that if they start chucking it around like Western had to, there's going to be fumbles, there's going to be interceptions, and that's going to blow out this game from the water. Um, for the Carabae, Hassan Doso's got an incredible task in front of him in Jarrell Cummings. He has played a spectacular season this year uh, for the T-Birds in coming over from Simon Fraser. Senecal, Doso, Lego, they have a lot of playmakers on offense, but it's speed on speed. I'm excited to see how they match up. Of course, these two uh, turning it back. I think the last time they're, well, the last time UBC was in the Vanier Cup was against the Montreal Carabao. Of course, the Carabao had that nice 2019 year against the Calgary Dinos where Jamin Pelly and the Philpott twins and Adam Sinagra. And Charlie Moore, and, 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 oh wait, Jeshren Antwi, freshly uh, off his Grey Cup as well. Those guys were all playing in the game. Of course, Marc-Antoine Decois was out that game. Uh, made a huge difference for the, difference for the Carabans defense. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this one. Excited to see how this game goes. Little bit uh, of a question mark to me on how the uh, offensive lines are both going to hold up in pass protection. I know in the run game it will be different, but pass protection is a big one for me. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about about the coaching changes and more importantly, my alma mater, the U of T Varsity Blues, uh, with Coach Greg Marshall stepping away from the program. Seen a lot of questions about who would want to take that. Marshall says June Jones has the opportunity to do the funniest thing, which, yeah, that would be kind of ideal, actually, to get June Jones and not just because of how legendary of coach he is, but because I think U of T needs to go offense. The last couple head coaches, Coach Gary and now Coach Marshall, have both been defensive-minded guys. And in a league, in a sport where it is offense, 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 moving the pace, moving the needle in terms of uh, pace of play, rules that favor it, stylistically how the game is going, having that offensive piece could be the difference. And I know there's going to be a ton of defense candidates. The first person I thought of was like, oh, my God, Ryan Beckmanis, it might be about time he gets a head coaching shot because look at how many phenomenal years he's had as a defensive coordinator from Carlton, Queens, Queens before that where he was taking over for Pat Tracy and really establishing himself uh, I think in terms of a pedigree and knowing the OUA, I think he'd be a great, great fit. Don't know if he wants to leave Queens for Toronto. Um, but I also think that Toronto needs to seriously examine the offensive side of the ball. And as I mentioned Stevenson Bone earlier, this would be a wild hire. But bring in the young guy. He's very raw, very young. 
uh, he coached <laughs> this year with UBC. He's up in the booth calling plays, but the knowledge, the ability to recruit at a high level, I think he's got that. He is pretty heavily involved with Shamari Williams and co. with UBC's recruiting. Um, the play calling was phenomenal. The ability to coach up uh, a quarterback, quite frankly, and Garrett Rooker over the last couple seasons who had to learn the game from scratch coming up from Texas. And now we see him here on the national stage. Um, it would be a wild hire. I don't know if Stevenson Bone would even throw his hat in, considering he's on the brink of a Vanier Cup um, and could just be really starting to build something special at UBC. But to me, it has to be an offensive look. As for the York Lions, they finally opened up their head coaching search. No idea where they're going. No idea where they're planning. Uh, Calgary Dinos have been searching for theirs for the last couple weeks. But I think they're going to take their sweet time with it, as should U of T, as should York, because there's going to be candidates coming out, and you're going to want to get this solved before, I'd say before middle of January, but that gives you a good two months to work on this. So head coaching searches, um, lean offense, lean into it. Get a young quarterback and let them work together. Look at how well Michael Falds works with quarterbacks he gets a hold of. Look at how well Coach P at Mac has worked. Look at how well Coach Corey Grant, Coach Belfay. I'm just in the OUA naming offensive guys with offensive players and successful quarterback play in their program. Coach Steve Schneider, he's got Alex Freakin. Look at their difference. Even when they went to a backup this year with Russell Weir, they were still able to win games. And I know Coach Flaxman calls the plays and works with them, but again, offensive-leaning head coach, offensive leaning program successful quarterback play that's it for me that's all uh might bring an extra one as i tee up the saturday on the vanier cup uh will be at a tailgate was invited once again by the lovely queens alumni um who are hosting a tailgate at richardson so if you see me feel free to say hi um don't know if Connor's going to make it down yet or not. He is a game-time decision for the Vanier Cup, yes. Uh, but Marshall will be there. Noah, Marshall's son, is there. He Oh, I forgot to say, he did pick the Eagles to win this game. Yes, the Eagles. Um, so UBC, the Eagles. And then he had the Blue Birdies, Montreal Blue Birdies. Kind of stuck with it after the Alouettes. Um, but that kind of worked out for them. So maybe... Maybe, maybe Montreal could pull this one out and be the first time since the Alberta Golden Bears and the Edmonton Eskimos back then to have the same city win both major football championships. As always, at Wade Zank, at CF Perspective, at Connor R. O'Neill. We'll see you around. Stop in, say hi if you see me this weekend. It's the culmination of a fantastic year. Let's close it out with one hell of a game. I never saw you leave And it was late at night I could be wrong But I know that you have never been right Someone said you vanished But he was cooked I'm sure there were some details That he overlooked So get specific Give me time could never keep track of mine What's on the menu for today?